What's up guys, Rick here with your betting and one and done preview for this week's PGA Championship. That's right, it's here, the only major of the season. So we're going to talk through some outright winners, both from my model at rickrungood.com. We're going to talk through who I've already bet, kind of like my gut side of it. We'll do some head-to-head matchups and we will try to determine a one and done strategy for this massive event. Everything you're going to see is available at rickrungood.com. They're the tools on my site. I hope you join me. Uh, but without further ado, let's let's jump into this. The tournament predictor tool. And for uh, new visitors, new viewers, let's talk about what this tool actually does. Essentially, it allows you to put in a target score, uh, essentially strokes gained, how many strokes you'll need to gain on the field to win this golf tournament. I have it currently set at 14 for the PGA Championship. And then it shows you how likely each golfer is to get to that target score. And then once we know the likelihood, We look at the odds provided by Las Vegas and bookmakers, and we can say, okay, if they get to the target score this often, is that enough value based on their odds to be able to bet them? It's that simple. It uses actual results from the golfers and what their ceiling and what their floor is is and it's been very handy this season so let's jump into this because when you get a major championship and you get a ton of uh big name players you know that that outright market kind of gets stretched out a little bit it's not like there's only one or two studs in this field that eat up the vast majority of the win equity that's not true there are a couple of golfers in the 10 to 1 range uh, including justin thomas brooks kepka depending on where you get him could be 10 11 to 1 something like that and is there enough value on those guys well if you look at the tournament predictor the answer would be no <laughs> okay uh the way that i have this set up or the way that this reads is justin thomas uh based on the odds makers implied odds based on how you know based on what his outright number is he is going to win the golf tournament based on odds makers 10 percent of the time i have him getting to the target score about 9.75 percent of the time so while that is very very close uh it is essentially saying that that is a fair price on justin thomas now i don't necessarily like to bet fair prices i like to bet prices that are advantageous to me um now i'm not always a robot and i can kind of go off script here a little bit which i will talk about in a second but i want to run through the numbers first uh brooks kepka additionally you know he's being hindered by the really uh, by the fact that he hasn't won a golf tournament in a year right last year's wgc fedex st jude was really his last ceiling event that we've had from him and the calculation takes that into effect and actually has him winning this golf tournament about five and a half percent of the time which is unfortunately not enough based on his bookmakers odds to win this golf tournament uh bryson dechambeau very very close to being a, a fair price uh odds makers have him about 6.25 percent six and a quarter percent to win the golf tournament i have met like 6.18 like literally almost dead on uh similar to john rom john rom is a little bit of a, of a negative but the value the real value here and you have to kind of ignore the eye test, which is what, of course, the model does, right? The model is very good at ignoring the eye test. 
the big value that you get is Rory McIlroy. And this makes sense. I mean, depending on where you're getting him, I mean, DraftKings has him at 15 to 1. William Hill has him at 14 to 1. Uh, so depending on where you get him, you're essentially talking about his implied odds to win being about 6%, six percent, six and a quarter percent. I have him winning this golf tournament, and based on how often he's going to get to that winning score, about 12% of the time because his ceiling is so high. Now, if I shortened the time frame on this tool to just since the restart, it would get a lot worse for Rory, right? Rory's not had a very good restart. So you have to kind of use a little bit of reason here, a little bit of logic and the numbers to try to figure out a way to approach this. Um, the other really top values, and I can sort by value here, the guys with the highest expected value. Um, Adam Scott has the highest, on according to my numbers, according to the model, the, the, the best expected value. And the reason for that is because I have him able to get to the winning score about 8% of the time. Now, again, remember, Adam Scott hasn't played since, has he played since Genesis? He won the Genesis. Has he played since then? Maybe he played the Arnold Palmer. But this is the first time we're seeing him in the restart. So he gets a pretty big benefit from like the last couple of rounds that he's played, last couple of tournaments that he's played have been pretty ceiling events for him. But Vegas posting him at, uh, let's see, DraftKings has him at 70 to 1. William Hill has him at 55 to 1. Uh, that is implying, so, so DraftKings implying he's going to win this less than 2% of the time. I have him getting to the target store score significantly more than that. Patrick Cantlay, uh, the third best value on my board. I have him getting to the target score about 8.8% of the time. Dustin Johnson, Webb Simpson, Colin Morikawa, Justin Rose, and Shane Lowry are the guys who have, according to this model, more than 3% on the positive of expected value, meaning that they are at least 3% more likely to get to the target score than Vegas indicates. Now, let's talk about my actual betting card because those are the numbers. Personally, uh, I have bet Brooks Kepka, and I do not really like betting the top of the board. However, I've made a couple of bets near the top of the board because... It just feels right. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, you know, Brooks Kepka. it's been a year, as I mentioned, since he's won a golf tournament. He is the best player uh, ball striking, at least in the last two weeks. And if you go back to the restart, he has absolutely flashed brilliance. The 22 birdies he made last week was second best in the field. The strokes gain approach number that he posted last week was best in the field. He was dominant, uh, essentially, in, in the off the tee and, and approach categories. That is the recipe for success at a major championship. And I know it would be crazy for him to win three in a row. I know it would be crazy if Justin Thomas went back to back, right? Like, it, it's crazy. Crazy things can happen. I just feel as if Brooks Kepka is going to win this golf tournament. Now, I also think I got a value on Patrick Cantlay. Uh, I got him at 25 to 1. On William Hill, he is currently 24. And on DraftKings, he is currently 25. Okay, so I got him there at 25. So the thing about Cantlay, which I like, and, and, and my model backs this up as well, is 
he did not really move the number last week. If he would have went out and played really well at at the WGC FedEx St. Jude and maybe, God forbid, wins the thing, like he would have obviously a much shorter number this week. Now, he did play well, but he followed it up. He, he played really well on the weekend after playing himself out of the golf tournament on Thursday and Friday. So he goes out and starts, like, I mean, finishes like T35. He starts five over. He was the fifth best player in the field on the weekend. So it's like I get the benefit of him playing well, but I don't get the detriment of him playing so well that his number moved. So to me, that was a really unique opportunity to go out and snag him at 25 to one because I thought that was a good number. I actually think he opened at 28, so maybe I didn't get the best number, but I still feel it is a unique situation that I was able to grab him in. Um, who else? Uh, so, so Xander, I know is out there. Um, Xander's a little rich for me. I, I think I like him better in, in fantasy aspects, uh, in pools, maybe in a one and done situation, which we'll talk about a little bit later than betting him outright. And, and a lot of it is because of that one. And I've talked about this a lot. The one bad round, the one bad round from Xander seems to pop up a lot. And I have the numbers here to back it up. I just quickly, um, pulled these numbers since 2017. Xander Shoffley has lost at least four strokes in a single round eight separate times. Think about that. Losing four strokes in a single round is a ton. And it is a ton for a top player to do that as frequently as Xander is doing it. Uh, To put that into perspective, Brooks has actually done it 12 times. That's the most of anybody in the 10K category on DraftKings. Uh, Rory's only done it four times. JT has only done it four times. Bryson's done it seven. And Rahm has done it six. So what that says to me is is Xander and Bryson, or I'm sorry, Xander and Brooks are kind of the more volatile two. And Xander especially who, like, it just feels like once a week he does it. I feel like Brooks piles all of his bad rounds together and just misses the cut. Xander has like one bad round, an event that sinks his chances. And I don't think you can do that at the PGA championship and try to, or any major championship and try to win it. So I'm out on him. Uh, where did I go next? Um, let's see, Bryson. I got, uh, can't lay. I do think, and, and I might've missed the boat on Jason day's number, depending on what number you get for Jason day. Um, 45 to one currently on DraftKings. 40 on William Hill. I think I saw him even deeper than that at some point. I think he's been bet down. So this this kind of depends, but I mean he has the PGA championship um record that is, you know, basically second to none. He's got five straight top 25s, including a win and a runner-up in the last five years. Um also has gained strokes on approach in four straight events. That's the first time he's done that in like three years. So he's he's kind of unlocked the the upside that we've seen from Jason Day. So he's someone that I'm pretty interested in. Further down the board, um, Hatton. What's Hatton's number? I like Hatton a lot. In yes, he's only fifty five to one. I was hoping you know his 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 price on DraftKings dropped so much. I was kind of hoping somehow we'd get him in the 70 to range where like Jordan Spieth is where, um, you know, Justin Rose is 75 to one Sergio Garcia is 70 was kind of hoping I could get uh Hatton there because I think we just saw Hatton's absolute floor event last week at the WGC he lost like eight strokes on the field was really hoping to be able to snag him. Um, some of the guys that I like down further and we're getting into the range where outrights are probably more difficult. You should probably consider top fives, top tens, top twenties, um, I think Joaquin Neiman is pretty interesting. So Neiman is, let's see if I can find this guy, 155 to one to win 
28 to 1 to finish top 5, 11 to 1 to finish top 10. There is a little bit of a course comp, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing the Greenbrier to the PGA Championship at all, but if you look at them, they're both par 70s, about 7,250-ish yards. They are both uh, bent grass greens, and they are both within a few hundred feet of one another in terms of average square foot greens. So they have all of those things in common. Obviously, one is in West Virginia. The other one is we're going to have fog issues and we're going to deal with weather um, and major championship uh, caliber fields and all that stuff. So, but but don't get me wrong. Like the courses in a vacuum are somewhat similar. Joaquin Neiman, of course, winner at the Greenbrier this year. Uh, when he gets hot, he gets really hot. So I wouldn't mind looking at him. Who else here? Uh, that might be. Let's see how far I can go down the board. Oh, Ryan Palmer. Let's check Ryan Palmer's number really quickly. Uh, he's not as long as Neiman, I imagine. But I bet you he's pretty long. Where are you? Okay. Oh, he is. 125-1 to 1 to win the golf tournament. 20-1 to 1 to top 5. 10-1 to 1 to finish in the top 10. Here's what I like about Ryan Palmer. I don't know if you can see this on my screen. So, uh, the left-hand number is his floor. The middle number is kind of like his median average in terms of strokes gained, and his uh, his right hand number is his ceiling. What I like about Ryan Palmer, uh, especially in a situation if you're trying to bet him outright or you're trying to bet him, you know, top five, top ten, his floor is really, really low, like incredibly low, like as low as anybody in this range besides Cam Champ and Kevin Na. However, his ceiling is as high as anyone's in this range, as high as Mark Leishman's, as high as Kevin Nas, as high as, I mean, higher than, uh, I mean, Paul Casey's and Kevin Streelman's and Stenson's and EVR's and Bubba Watson's. So that huge range of outcomes. And if you noticed, the guys that I mentioned that he comps with, Kevin Na, Cam Champ, what do they have in common? They actually win golf tournaments. Think about that. There are a lot of guys on this list who do not win golf tournaments. So if you're betting outrights, I don't care if you finish second or you miss the cut by five shots. It's all the same thing. But when you have the upside that Kevin Nall, Ryan Palmer, Cam Champ have, that's very interesting. That is what gets my investment, not these guys like Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner is one of the most consistent guys in this range, right? Like his floor is half of that of Ryan Palmer's, but his ceiling is nowhere close. I don't care about that. Like, like I don't, I'm not trying to bet a guy who's going to finish T26 every single week. I want the guys with upside. Palmer offers that. That's my rant. Um, let's go to head-to-head betting matchups here. So this is the head-to-head matchup simulator. Again, if you are new to this, this is a fairly cool calculation that is essentially, it's been a lot of work done by the guys over at Data Golf. There's been a lot of work done by Joe Pita, who wrote a great book about this, um, essentially using strokes gain data to simulate guys in a four round tournament against one another. This is my take on that, right? So you can comp or you can put together any two golfers against one another. You can change the date range that you want and you can go from there just for kicks this week. Um, let's look at only since the restart. Okay. That is going to be the natural break that we are going to use. And you can see how quickly that changes the numbers. And this might be too volatile. Maybe we need to go further back than this, but just to show you what this does, 
I mean, Justin Thomas, who has been the best player on the planet in the restart versus Rory McIlroy, those two guys usually within five percentage points of one another or two and a half percentage points of one another would normally be like a 52-48 split in a head-to-head matchup. When you only look at since the restart, Justin Thomas absolutely crushes Rory McIlroy. I have him now using only this data, winning a head-to-head matchup with Rory McIlroy 76% of the time. And if you follow along, that is a massive number. So maybe we need to go back a little bit further, but let's run a couple with the the, the date range just being since the restart, because I think that is somewhat interesting. I'm going to grab a couple of um, matchups from William Hill here, and I need to be careful to find guys that I know have played enough, right? If I, if I make the date range since the restart and I try to put Adam Scott in there, not going to work, right? This is Adam Scott's first start back. How about these two? Patrick Reed and Jason Day. They've both played a lot. They've both played a lot in the restart, and they are both minus 110. So if I put Reed in one spot and Jason Day in another, I imagine it's going to be Jason Day. He's got three top tens. It's pretty close, though. Uh, Jason Day, 56% to win this head-to-head. So my money line would have him at minus 132. So if you get him at minus 110, that would be a pretty good value. So... Jason Day might be a play over Patrick Reed, if that's what you're interested in. Ricky Fowler versus Tony Finau. Ricky Fowler. Um, these are two guys that always get paired together because of their lack of winning or their failures on the weekend. Let's put them together. Tony Finau, I have at 55% to win a head-to-head matchup. And you can see that's actually getting closer. Uh, you know, Fowler's good week. If we would have ran this last week, Finau would have been even a bigger favorite, but I have Tony Finau at minus 122, which should be the money line, right? Now, William Hill has Ricky Fowler at minus 120, so I actually have the opposite. This would be a Finau bet for me. And then let's do one more. Gary Woodland versus Jordan Spieth. Both have played quite a bit in the restart. Whoops. I have Gary Wood. Wow, look at these graphs. I have Gary Woodland uh, winning this, and it's getting closer every single week, winning this 53% of the time, minus 116. So that's probably a no bet because uh, Gary Woodland is minus 120 on William Hill. Um, I guess maybe. No, I guess this would be a no bet. This is something I would not touch. So. Um, there are obviously going to be those situations as well. Not everything is a bet. You don't have to bet every matchup. Just find the ones that are good. I really like using the restart as a as a natural segue or a natural starting point. You are going to get more volatile results, so keep that in mind if you're using the tool. But hey, find out what works best for you, right? I, I don't mind using this. We've now got, what, eight, this is eight or nine weeks in. A lot of guys have played a lot. I wouldn't use it for Adam Scott. I wouldn't use it for Terrell Hatton, guys like that that... We don't have a lot of data on since the restart, so keep that in mind. One and done. Here it is. Uh, Time to burn your studs, right? I mean, okay, a lot of this is going to depend on what your situation is, right? And what your league is. I feel like I've said this, you know, nine times or whatever since the restart because so many one and done pulls either got extended or they are going to uh, stay on track or whatever it is. So you have to figure out what is best for you. But if this is the only major championship of your season and you are coming down the stretch, what are you waiting for? It's time to burn 
your stud. And of course, if you are front running, you probably want to take a different type of stud. I mean, you've got 96 of the top 100 players here. You should have your pick of the litter. Uh, And then if you're chasing, you probably want to be a little bit different. So let's, first of all, I want to look at general golfer usage. Um, The fact that Hideki has been used the most and then Bryson uh, the second most. So 54% of entries have already used Bryson DeChambeau, second most of any golfer. And um, realizing that he's one of, you know, the favorites this week, right? We talk about the top five favorites, Bryson DeChambeau, obviously on that betting slip. Uh, and then Sung Im has already been used, which thankfully, because uh, he is not in good shape. So really, there's there's not a lot of guys. I mean, you can use basically anybody you want here, it looks like. And a lot of people have been holding on to, I mean, where's Rory on this list? 45% used. Where's, um, like, where's Brooks? Brooks, 15. Oh my God. Brooks is going to be the most popular golfer of the week. <laughs> and I think that's pretty fair to say. And I think it's, I think it's fine. Especially if you're in the lead pack, where is, um, where's Rom? Rom usually gets used early in the year. Okay. So JT has been used 45%, Rom 48. All right. So now that we have this as an idea, here's what we've got to do. We're going to go to the full field values here. We're going to look at this. Um, last year, Brooks was the most popular golfer. Uh, he cashed it, right? He goes out and he wins it as the most popular golfer. He is not only probably going to be the most popular golfer anyway this week, uh, but he's the least owned of the top golfers. He is the favorite and he's only been used by 15% of you. So with that being said, I think I can stand here and say Brooks Kepka is going to be the most popular option in your one and done pool this week. And I think that's fine. I think it's fine. You know how I feel about Brooks Kepka. I think he's great, whatever. But think about what your position is. If you are trying to make up ground, you should not play Brooks Kepka. And if he goes out and wins and completes the three-peat and burns you, so be it. It would be bad strategy to be in the bottom half of your one-and-done pool and use Brooks Kepka this week. I think I can safely say that. So, if you are trying to chase, you basically can pick anybody not named Brooks Kepka and get away with it here. Uh, Justin Thomas, if you still have him, because he's a popular guy that gets used. I mean, a lot of people burn him at Sony. A lot of people burn him, uh, you know, at WGC events. He's easy to play anywhere. So if you're trying to chase, I think you can go get Justin Thomas. You can go use John Rahm. You can use Bryson DeChambeau uh, or Rory McIlroy, right? Like, I think you can chase with all of those guys. If you are front running, there is no reason to not use Brooks, right? Just go and try to bank as much money as possible. Stay out in front if you're in the tops, uh, you know, certain percentage. Now, now, where do you use Brooks if you're not going to use him this week? So if you're chasing, well, I guess that, that depends as well. Like if this is your last event, it can't be your last event. But I assume that if you're like worst case scenario, you are trailing and you can't use Brooks because everybody's going to use Brooks. So you would have to deploy him at like a playoff event. That is where you would use Brooks, assuming he's going to get there. Now it looks like he's going to, at least he's going to play the, you know, the Northern trust. He's within the top. I think he's now in the top 100 of FedEx cup points. So he's going to get to the playoffs. So I would beg you or encourage you 
If you're chasing, use Brooks at a playoff event, or if it goes into next, you know, if it goes into the U.S. Open, if it goes into the Masters, use him there because he's going to be super popular right here. Um, so that's the plan on Brooks Kepka. I think, I mean, if you haven't used Dustin Johnson yet, he'd be fine too. He's going to be very popular. Um, I think Jason Day will be very popular because he's now rounding into form. He has all this great PGA championship experience. So you kind of have to figure out what works best for you. What's Tiger at? How many people have used Tiger? Actually, here's what I can just do. Why don't I just go to his profile? This is that's why I have this built. Why, do, why don't I just use it instead of scrolling through trying to find his name? Why don't I just do this? All right, here we go. Here's Tiger Woods. So, yeah, nobody's used him because he hasn't played. He played, he's got three events here. So 69 picks at the Farmers, 34 at the Genesis, 142 at the Memorial. So literally everyone has Tiger Woods left. Would I use him here? Man, I really don't like it. Uh, I could see the viability because I still don't think he's going to carry that much ownership. I don't know. Like, I don't even know where you use Tiger anymore. Augusta. But if you have like Rory left, I I don't know where to use Tiger, quite frankly. Uh, so I guess if you really want to play him, I don't think a lot of people are going to, are going to opt to use him. He's kind of a weird one and done guy now because he doesn't play enough to, to garner a bunch of recent form heading in that gets you excited about him. Um, and then when he when he does play, he's playing in a field where every single player, every single top player in the world is there. So you could you could easily just play somebody else. So I don't know if Tiger's like a I don't know where you even deploy him naturally anymore. If we look back at last year, he was most used at the US Open. I'm not sure that's the best place for him. Um yeah, I mean this is it's kind of weird, kind of a weird sticky situation for Tiger. But anyway, just to recap, um I'm probably gonna do so so in the in the ones that I'm chasing. I'll probably, uh, if I haven't used DJ yet, when there's a chance I haven't in some of my one and dones, uh, I'll probably use DJ. I think that's fine. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I've used Rory at this point. Um, but if I'm, if I'm front running, I'm just plugging and playing Brooks and I'm not really worrying about it. I'll deal with it later. And then if I still have Brooks, uh, I will deploy him at a playoff event, most likely, depending on how long my season goes. So a lot of variables, especially with this weird year that we've had, but that's where I'm headed. Let me know. Let me know where you think you could play Tiger. Is it this week? Who are you going to play this week? It should be pretty interesting. Tweet me at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. I'll talk to you guys soon. Best of luck this week.